0: What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another edition of the DNVR Draft Podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm Justin Michael. We've got Jake Schwanitz here. We've got Henry Chisholm here. And we are going to be talking about linebackers and edge players. It's the last class we have in the draft preview. NFL draft season is officially here. We're going to talk about Mel Kuyper's latest mock. Uh, We're going to go over the ascension of Desmond Ritter, which was kind of predictable i guess just given that he feels like a really safe option in a sea of unpredictable quarterbacks but uh first things first how's it going gentlemen
1: not too bad man uh, um, not gonna lie. kind of excited to wrap up these position previews and excited to just get onto the fun stuff with the draft uh still two weeks away which i guess is feels a bit long but it is what it is
2: yeah i'm uh i'm glad that we saved these ones for today Like, it's really nice to have the edge rushers and the linebackers at the end because they're just a lot of fun and their positions that the Mm -hmm. Broncos are going to go after. But yeah, I agree. It's, uh, this has been a grind. And between this and, like, actual football practice, like, my sleep schedule still kind of flipped. I woke up, like, 30 minutes ago. Going to be writing till, like, midnight at the very best tonight. So, yeah, this will be a good way to kick the day off. I say my bagel, I've got a little coffee too, so. Ideal.
0: You got your fuel, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we have linebackers and Edge, too. Just one, you know, like you mentioned, it It happens to be something that the Broncos are, are likely going to value pretty high in, in this upcoming draft. But also, like you said, just a fun group. A lot of really talented players. A lot of guys that we have been raving about on this podcast for, for quite some time. So it's cool to, to see everybody catching up on the hype with, you know, guys like Troy Anderson and and Devin Lloyd, and just some of our uh, draft pot darlings.
1: So true. Yeah, we've been on it. We've been on it.
0: I, now that we uh, patted ourselves on the back here, let's let's talk about Desmond Ritter. Jake, you brought this up, so I'm going to kind of pass the, the rock to you here, but I already kind of set the scene here. It, it seems like after kind of being viewed as, you know, the fifth or sixth best quarterback prospect, or, you know, at least not one of the top guys for, for most of this cycle, he all of a sudden is kind of in the conversation for, for QB1 or, or QB2. Is that surprising?
1: Um, I, to me, I think so, yeah. I mean, we go back to the quarterback episode that we did. Um, I think this was back in February, the first position that we did, actually, was quarterbacks. And uh, personally, I was kind of surprised at how much I ended up liking Desmond Ritter after kind of evaluating him. Um and, but, yeah, the rumors have been out. Uh, Tony Pauline from Pro Football Network was credited saying that uh, about every team has a first-round grade on Desmond Ritter. Um, Andre said that Desmond Ritter, on, this was on Tuesday, he said that he is uh, at plus money to go 32. Uh, and then Matt Miller a few days ago also, also said that Desmond Ritter will be a top 15 pick. Um kind of a crazy ascension, honestly. I mean, you go back to the quarterback episode, we all kind of talked about how we really thought that he was somewhat disappointing in terms of, you know, 2020 to 2021 growth, uh, but here we are, and it seems like everyone's kind of forgotten that, and apparently Desmond Ritter made the leap
2: that we all thought
1: that uh, he was capable of.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's he's just a, a solid quarterback, and and what we'll we'll get to the mock draft in a second, but going number 40 to to the Seahawks, it's like kind of the right fit, right? If you were to compare him to a quarterback, it's like, yeah, Russ, except probably doesn't have like it definitely doesn't have as big of an arm. And you know, you you wonder about I don't want to call it like the competitiveness. Like the man did just lead Cincinnati to all the success that they've had in the last couple of years, but there is just kind of like that that little X factor thing that you just don't know about with quarterbacks. So without the arm strength, you just look at it, It's like, yeah, I mean, going to the Seahawks, like that does seem like a team where he just slides right in. He reminds you of just about every backup that they've brought in there. And just, I, I he's a, he's an all right, solid quarterback prospect. And if you want to take him at the top of the second round, I, I can't blame you for that because there's a chance that he pans out.
0: It doesn't sound like he's going to be there though. It's the thing. Like, it kind of sound like he's going to be the you know second qb probably taken within the top 20 and i don't know he he's a, he's a safe target but there's just kind of nothing remarkable about him in terms of you know his arm it's not like bad you know i don't know i it just it's odd to me i guess is is it more about the fact that everybody else is is just too inconsistent or i don't know it's just weird that he he's broken out the way he has kind of Like, what's changed?
1: Yeah, um, all great points. I mean, we've talked about it for almost a year now. This quarterback class is just not – it's definitely not what it was last year, and it's just overall not a very good class. To put that in combination, you know, with the senior bowl, Andre mentioned uh, when he was down at the senior bowl that, you know, Ritter looked the part, of course, um, and he's going to have scouts, you know, hard-eyed over him because – He's got the frame. Uh, he's got the body. He ran four five two at the combine. So you look at that, and you kind of start to piece it all together. Um, you can kind of talk yourself into it, and I, I see that for sure. But yeah, man, this is pretty crazy. A I mean, top twenty, talking... like <laughs> I don't know. I,
0: I kind of I think Hank nailed it when he's you know if if you're taking him at the beginning of the second round or even the end of the first round. I don't know, I think you can live with it, but top 10, top 15 I, that that's putting some pretty lofty expectations on what he's he's supposed to be a guy that comes in and immediately elevates, you know, an NFL franchise and I get that he had a tremendous college career. I'm not trying to be dismissive of that, you know, Cincinnati was a ton of fun these past couple of years. I don't know. I don't want to compare him to Tim Tebow because he's obviously a much better thrower of the football. But it feels like that's like the type of thing we're getting caught up in. It's the narrative, the story of you know, look at how he was able to to take this program and you know bring it to the to the front of all of the conversation, take him to the playoff. All this, yes, it was it was fun. But is that going to translate to him being you know a top ten QB in the NFL someday? That seems like a long shot at best.
2: It does. But, again, like, what options do you have if you're Seattle? Like, just as an example. You know, and there's there's other teams that are in that same boat where it's like, okay, you, you roll a Drew Lock this year, you you throw the dice next year instead. Like, that, that might be the smart move. But if you want to spend, like, those high second-round picks, and that's where, like, a first-round pick, you start to get a little bit bold with him. But at the same time, like, he's, he's a 6'3 quarterback who's played a lot of football. He 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 very clearly was part of the reason they were winning those games it's not like this is a cincinnati team that's like oh they're ground and pound and they're just going to run you over he'll he'll get the job done when he needs to like he was he, he was a very consistent player for them and there were a lot of good things to look at it's just that you when it comes to throwing the ball to the sideline you get a little bit nervous about it like can he actually get that ball there but i mean can he be a teddy bridgewater i think he can be a teddy bridgewater very easily now can he just take one or two steps on top of that and get from like QB 28 in the league to QB 20 and then QB 15. And at least you have something for a few years and then you can kind of patch after unless you get lucky, you know, sometimes quarterbacks are weird.
1: Right. And then, you know, going back to what I remember just from evaluating him and stuff, he did really remind me of Dak Prescott just in terms of his smoothness Um he is like a natural quarterback. I mean, he he knows how to play the position. He can make the reads. Um, he kind of understands timing and anticipation. So, again, I, I, I begin to see why teams are kind of talking themselves into Desmond Ritter, especially if you need a quarterback and you're kind of, you know, in that Seattle position where you're kind of entering the year, not really knowing what's going to happen. Um, but, yeah, man, it's just it's crazy to me that he's going to you're talking about him at least what Matt Miller said, top 15. Oh my God.
0: It just, it it feels like Tebow or, or Mariota or, or just one of those situations where you fall in love with everything that they did in their college career. And you're just kind of, you know, really hoping that, that every good characteristic they have becomes a great characteristic and it, it could happen again, you know, th- there's a lot to like, but, Top 15, that just feels crazy to me. So uh, let's talk about it, though. There's there's a mock draft out from from Mel Kuiper now. He has uh, Malik Willis, I believe, as his QB1 at six.
1: Yep, six to the Panthers. And then we also have... Sorry, uh, Kenny Pickett at 20 to the Steelers, and then Desmond Ritter was at 40 to the Seattle Seahawks. I think that's... Those are all the quarterbacks he had. Um, it's the same story, though. It's a it's a two-round mock again, so like the same one we did last week with McShay's. Uh, a lot of ta- uh, tackles, a lot of edge players. Uh, you have Sauce Gardner going really high, Garrett Wilson, Drake London in the top 10, too. Um, it seems like the first round is kind of starting to fall into place, but as we always know, there's going to be some surprises. But I'd, I'd say we all have a better idea. Uh, today than we did. I don't know a month, two
2: months ago. Yeah, it is still kind of crazy. Just like looking back at that number nine pick. Like, like you're always gonna have that. In the same way, you're always gonna look at Justin Fields and be like, huh, I wonder what he's gonna do. Right. You, mm-hmm. in, until this draft actually happens, it's like, what's gonna happen with that number nine pick? And when you see right here, Evan Neal goes number nine, and then you've got Kyle Hamilton at number eleven, and even even like you could look at a guy like Stingley at twelve and be like, tell Broncos fans four months ago, they're going to pick up Derek Stingley at number nine, and they're going to be really excited. again, like I'm not saying it was a bad trade or anything. It definitely wasn't, but those names that are sitting there at nine in these mock drafts just keep getting better and better. Well, you
1: go to Hank, you go to 42. I mean, that Seattle pick where they took Desmond Ritter, that was a Broncos pick. And how often did we talk about, you know, don't take a quarterback in the first round, come back around at 40 and take whoever falls out of the first round. So Yeah, I agree. It's going to be fascinating to kind of track these Seattle picks um, just for the fact that they were once ours. They were once ours. They
2: were. Oh, and and it's just, I don't know why it hurts me so badly. Like, and it's not even because, like, again, it's a good trade. It was a good value for a trade. You did better with those picks than you would have in the draft. But then you, again, you brought 42 Bernard Ryman going right there. Ah, that's just painful. (laughs) Like, there's a world in which the Broncos come out of this with. Kyle Hamilton and Bernard Ryman. Again, like before this trade happens, if you say that that's what happens with those first two picks, nobody believes it.
0: Right. That's true. Right. But also, fuck them picks because we got Russell Wilson. (laughs) That's true. At the end of the day, I mean, it's just going to be so much less stressful going into this draft. Obviously, the the excitement of having a top 10 pick, it's just the possibility. You know, it's kind of like, the the beginning of of anything, you know that the the possibility is endless. We could nail this. but the the reality is, is more times than not. We end up with, you know, somebody you get really excited about and and doesn't really pan out. You finally solve the quarterback position. And I mean, at least based on some of these these mocks, it it seems like you're going to end up with, you know, a, a pretty pretty decent option at, at sixty four as well, including in Kuiper's mock, where Trey McBride ends up going to to Colorado State. He has him as the second tight end off the the board. Sixty three is uh, Doldich goes to the Bengals. Are you guys surprised that you know throughout the the season tight ends were were kind of consistently being mocked in the first round? Now it seems it's it's more like that that fifty to to sixty five range. Why is that? Is it about the the talent of the other position groups? Is it that this tight end group is is pretty deep and the thought is. You know, why take him early because we could sit back and still end up with, you know, one of these top four or five guys. And it was just interesting to me to see how quickly it's it's went from guys like McBride being projected at, you know, like 25 ish to now being more like 50 to 65.
2: I mean, I think all the tight ends have flaws and, you know, starting with Trey McBride, like he just isn't all that big. Like, he's plenty big, but in terms of, like, a tight end that you want to take in the first round, he's small. And I don't think that that's a good enough reason to knock him down to 64, but, again, if if that's what the buzz is, whatever, I mean, that's what it is for him. For Dulcich, it's like, if, if you were a better blocker, you know, if, if you maybe just were a tick faster, I think that might actually fit him a little bit better. Um, then you'd be the first-round guy. Again, I think... I, like, Trey McBride will not probably be there at 64. I think he's probably gone at like 38 or something is more where he fits in. But it is a lot of fun to to see him fall to 64 to the Broncos because I feel like that's right up there with the dream scenarios for the Broncos.
1: Yeah, great points Henry. Um it's I don't know, it's just interesting to see the contrast in tight end class this year to last year. Obviously last year you had Kyle Pitts who is in the conversation for, you know, best player in the draft, um, regardless of position. But then the rest of the class last year was really kind of middling. I mean, you you could had your guys that you liked, you know, day two and beyond, but there wasn't any sort of depth uh, compared to this year. And then this year, you just don't really have that headlining guy. You got a deep class kind of top to bottom. I mean, there's guys I would consider taking all the way down through seventh round, really, that I liked. Um, But then you don't have that that Kyle Pitts. You don't have that headliner. And while McBride kind of has been, you know, tied in one really pretty safely since, oh, gosh, I don't know, August, probably before that even. There are limitations to his game, um, however minor they may be. And, you know, just looking at the – like we've said, the strength of this class all year has been edge, tackle, cornerback, wide receiver, um, and so you're just going to see a lot of those guys go before we really start to get the tight ends. No matter how much we all love Trey McBride,
0: I feel like everybody walks on eggshells whenever I bring up Trey McBride because they're like Justin's going to jump our throat if we say anything <laughs>
2: bad about. Hey, him. <laughs> we did get jumped today though. Pretty good walking on those eggshells, Jake. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, sir.
0: <laughs> no, man. He's he's not. It's it's like it's like you said. You know, he's he's not small. But he's not Antonio Gates out there in terms of his stature. You know, he's he's he does a lot for how big he is, and I I think he's probably more like six three and a half. I think he, I think he was measured at like six five at the combine,
2: which is he's not. He's just not that tall. There was one at I've been around him a lot. Senior bowl in the combine, they were just different, which was weird. And the whole process is,
0: is so imperfect with measurements and like you look at any college roster and the, the measurements are never accurate. And I don't know. It's kind of silly. Anyways, would, uh, would you be willing to
2: trade up for Trey McBride if you were Denver? It's a good question. I, yeah. Like would, would I do it? I'm not sure if George Payton trades up to, to 50 and takes him, I'm going to be excited about it. Like he, uh, Again, yeah, like he's a really good tight end, and and if he were two inches taller, he'd be a top twenty pick for sure. But now you get into like how much is it worth for the Broncos because you have Albert O. Apparently, they like this blocking guy. I love the idea of just getting a more complete tight end, and I think that that would really solidify that room. I think you look across the whole roster and say like, how badly do we need a young player at this position? Because there's a lot of young guys at a lot of young or a lot of positions. So I think for that reason. It's solid. Um, yeah, I still probably prefer to go edge or linebacker with that first pick, uh, which is going to be fun to talk about in a little bit. But if, if they decide to go tight end, I'm definitely cool with that. And if they decide to trade up, then definitely hope it's for McBride and I'd be down for it.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a great question because, you know, you look at the depth chart and really I think, you know, the only weakness on the, I mean, right tackle we've talked about for five, six years now, <laughs> but other than that, I mean, tight end, starting tight end has been, it's, it's open, right? Uh, we like Alberto. We like what he can do as a receiver and stretch in the field. But as you said, Henry, he's not a complete tight end. You kind of get some of that with Trey McBride uh, allows you to be a bit more versatile in terms of trading up though. I, I don't like you said, though. I mean, if, if Peyton does it, I'd be for it. I'd be excited. Um, but I think that, I don't know, I I would kind of toss around the idea of just staying at 64. Um, maybe you kind of wait and see, you know, when you get 10 picks away around 55 or so who's there and then consider trading up, but I don't, I don't know if targeting a a tight end just to trade up for them is something that would be the smartest thing to do. Um, but I don't, it'd be exciting to get Trey McBride. He would make this offense a lot more fun, make a a lot more versatile, uh, as we mentioned. Russ likes those tight ends, those big guys up the seams and over the middle. It'd be a lot of fun.
0: That's interesting because I that's that's kind of what I thought as well. And what I said on the Rams podcast is Russ has never had like an elite set of tight ends, but the ones that he's used, you know, Disley and some of those guys, he's been effective with. But then I, I was reading some criticisms online of of this mock in particular, and I don't know, they were like, Rose is too short. He's going to only throw to the outside. He's not going to throw up the middle. And I was like, I don't, I don't, I'm not necessarily sure that's true. He does definitely favor, you know, the outside. But I think with a guy like Albert O, and if you paired him with Trey McBride, it could be really effective, especially, you know, off play action because you know they're going to run the ball a lot with Hackett. I don't know. It, it just feels like a good fit to me. I don't think yep. Denver would necessarily trade up. But if you if he was there at 64, I think you'd have to you'd really have to consider pouncing on him.
2: And wouldn't it be nice if you had open tight ends in the middle of the field? And so that opened up what was happening on the outside? Like, if if your plan is, well, he only throws at the outside, so let's ignore the middle of the field, guess where the defenders are going to be? Like, you still have to build, like, an offense and kind of take what the defense gives you. So, I don't know. I think with McBride and uh, Albert O, like, just the different things you could do. McBride running shallow with, the kind of crosser type deal from from or from Alberto in behind him just split those linebackers like it, it would just open up so much and like Will Disley the fact that Will Disley Bo- Bozeman Montana native I should say um but not not one of the league's uh, premier tight ends the fact that he was productive I think that that's a sign that that Russ can I don't know about maximize a tight end, but get pretty close to it. Like it might not be Tom Brady back there who's six foot five and just throwing no lasers into Gronk's chest. But if you get Trey McBride, I have a feeling that things are going to go really well for him with Russell Wilson. You just can't convince me otherwise.
1: Yeah. I mean, look at uh, you know, that Greg Olson, he had like that season and a half or whatever when he came over to Seattle. I felt like he was effective
0: in that position. Uh,
1: guys like Luke Wilson. Uh, Wilson. Well, that's what I was
0: trying to. This whole time I've been sitting here. I was like, there was a guy for like five years that he used, and then he went on to the Raiders. I think for those it was hard knocks. Anyways, go go back. I'm sorry, I interrupted you for <laughs> no good reason there,
1: but oh, uh, there's not much left to. I'm just saying that. I mean, he kind of makes it work with these guys at tight end. If you just get a guy that really, he obviously can understand the position and play it at a professional level. Just in terms of always being where they're supposed to be. Um, you know, hitting their assignments. And if you add in that versatility factor where they don't have to come off the field for the run plays or, you know, in a play action set or what have you, they can actually go five wide and stuff with a tight end that they can, you know, play eye formation with or whatever too. Um, that just helps the offense out as a whole, just being more versatile and not really showing your hand pre-snap. I mean, that goes that goes like leagues beyond what uh, the
2: Broncos have had on offense the past few years. And I don't want to be too bold here, but, I mean, maybe the guy could even break outside instead of inside. <laughs> maybe maybe he just runs toward the sideline <laughs> instead of across the middle, and then all of a sudden he's a perfect fit for Russell Wilson. But, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. That might be too revolutionary. Um, I do think, though, like, this is an offense where you probably want multiple tight end sets. Maybe not as, like, your base, like, every single play, here's what we're doing. But, I mean, right. this West Coast kind of outside zone type of deal, that would really be nice, especially you consider the receivers you have. Like if you want Cortland Sutton to have a little bit of space to work with downfield, which I'd certainly do, I think that sucking the defense in with the running game and having them feel just a little bit more comfortable, you know, making them play that four three, three, four, whatever, because you have two tight ends out there, it just seems like it would fit pretty well. You don't necessarily need to be going spread constantly. Um, we'll see what they come up with, but it does seem like you're going to, to see a, a pretty multiple offense, I would guess. And, and Trey McBride would make that a lot easier.
1: Right. And uh, I mean, not to get too off topic here, but we still don't really know what this offense is going to look like. Um, Nathaniel Hackett has talked at length about fitting Russell Wilson's strengths, uh, doing things that Russ wants to do. Basically the opposite of what was happening to him in Seattle, where Pete Carroll and, whoever was offensive coordinator in that rotating door um, were just kind of imposing their will on Russ, making them run the ball, um, you know, kind of just, you know, throwing their hands up late in the game when they're behind multiple scores and then going, all right, man, bail us out. Uh, That's, I think that's going to be a big focus for this team is really kind of getting away from that, keeping Russ comfortable from Q1 to Q4, not just hoping that he can bail you out with five minutes left, um, so it'll be interesting to see exactly how it works, how much middle of the field stuff is involved, uh, how much actual, you know, pass run splits, if we're actually going to be closer to even, or if we're going to actually try and pass more with Russ, it, it'll be interesting to see.
0: You would have to assume, I don't, just considering they just locked down Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick. I mean, I think they're going to let it rip, you know, a little bit, but I get what you mean. It is going to be interesting to see kind of what this looks like because I don't think it's necessarily. I don't think we'll be able to to look at the Packers offense and be like it's going to be this, or or you right. know take Seattle's and be like it's going to be this. It's probably going to be you know little elements of, of that. And I uh, know they he had run the ball pretty effectively with Jacksonville in those Blake Bortles years. I imagine mm-hmm. given that they have Javante, that's going to be a you know I don't. They've got a lot of talent, a lot of positions. This this team is. I'm trying not to get too excited. I'll just say that. They're they're setting me up for disappointment. And yeah, I haven't I haven't felt like this in like a half decade. So but, I, I don't even know how to handle it.
2: Yep. I, I the other thing that I'd add is that it's really easy to be like, okay, well, Nathaniel Hackett, he's gonna do what the Packers did. You know, Russell Wilson, he's gonna push for what he did with Seattle. But then you think about it, it's like if you're Russell Wilson, do you really look back at what happened in Seattle and say, I want to do more of this? Like is is he really sitting there pounding the table saying we want receivers all over the field we want to be out of the shotgun every time because it's not like it was terrible but I do think that there there were limitations to that offense and I don't think that catering to to Russ necessarily means just doing what he did in Seattle because again like he it they won how how many games last year like it's not like everything was running perfectly. Early
0: in early in the career, when Marshawn Mar- was still running a little bit more, he did a little bit under center, and they 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 were effective at a play action yep. in those scenarios. I feel like that was the best Russ when he was able to kind of run around and, and yep. improvise, and we just haven't really seen that in a long time. Um, anyways, we've we've gone on way too long about this. Anything else that you guys want to talk about as as far as yeah. The mock goes, is it shocking to you that that sauce Gardner has the the potential to be a top three at le- pick at least according to this?
1: No, I'm, he should be up here. I mean, you know, if we're talking about Trayvon Walker, you know, kind of projects. I don't want to call him a project, but I mean, we'll get to him later. He's all traits at this point came Thibodeau who's had his kind of, uh, stock drop, and then you add in the quarterbacks. I mean, we're seeing Malik Willis at six. There's no
2: reason that Sauce Gardner should go below some of these guys. It's true. Like, we're at that point where when you... Who's been the one guy for, like, the last two months? I mean, not the one guy, but pretty close to the one guy who you said, like, yeah, that's going to be a good football player. That's somebody you want to bet on. Like, you've got Aiden Hutchinson that's been pretty clearly one of those guys. And while everybody else has kind of moved around a little bit, Sauce has been one of those guys that you just say, yes, like that's a good player. He's going to be a really good NFL player. You might be getting just a true lockdown cornerback. So it is always weird to see somebody like make that jump into the top three for the first time on one of these mocks. And you're like, Yeah, I'm not so sure. That's not where he's been. But it, it makes sense because if you if you were to ask me, like, is Sauce gonna be a better football player than Ike Mekwonu? I'd say, yeah, probably. Like, and that's true for almost all these guys. You know, I still really like Kayvon Thibodeau, but I can't I can't argue that one really. All right. Let's uh let's move on then. Let's let's
0: talk about linebackers. Let's talk about Hedge. Before we do, though, the NBA playoffs are here. That means the next level basketball. Get ready ready for all the action with the play-in tournament. Right now, all customers. Can bet and get a risk free same game parlay up to $10. If you're a new customer, though, you can set up, you can sign up, excuse me, good lord, bet $5 on any team to win, get $150 in free bets instantly. That's tight. No matter what, you're getting $150 if you're a new customer. All you got to do is download DraftKings Sportsbook app, use the promo code DNVR, bet $5 on any NBA team to win, get $150 no matter what. Super tight. That's what the promo code DNVR at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports wedding partner of the NBA, must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only, minimum $5 deposit restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call one 800 522
2: 4700 Also want to give a shout out to Breckenridge Brewery Seltzers. I uh I'm I'm getting ready to drink a whole lot of those. Like it is it is getting to that time of year. Where, like, honestly, I should prepare. Like, I feel like every day I need to be like, okay, morning, shot of tequila. Just get this liver prepared for what's on the way. Because obviously you have the summer. Because, like, summer, you, you're out, you're drinking. Specifically, probably drinking more seltzers than beers compared to the colder months. Um, But on top of that, it's playoff season. So I'm going to be down at the DMVR bar to, tomorrow night for that first Nuggets game. I'm gonna be drinking a lot of Breckenridge seltzers at that bar tomorrow, um, and then what's like, your what? favorite <sighs> one? I'm, Honestly, I'm I, the thing is, like, I don't even really pay attention. Like, I've always been just like a just just. We always get the bucket. It's like what kind, and it's like I yeah, just throw some in there, and I'll just grab whatever, and I'll drink it, and I'll be like, "Huh, that one was solid." But I don't really like register like, "Oh, this was the honeydew. I really like that." But I'm, maybe that's just because they're all really good. There's definitely none that I avoid. There's definitely none that I avoid. And maybe that's the best voucher I can give. Um, But um, yeah, I mean, all these Nuggets games, I'm going to be down at the bar drinking seltzers. All these Avs games, I'm going to be down at the bar drinking seltzers. All these Rockies games, I just bought tickets for Tuesday. There was like a Hot Rocks deal. $10 a ticket for like the 14th row on the first baseline. It's a steal. And that means I can uh, afford more of these Breckenridge seltzers at the game. I'm pretty sure they have them there. So yeah, it's seltzer season. Officially and uh, Breckenridge Seltzer is the good company, Hard Seltzers, that's the way to go.
0: Shout that's out, Breck. It is definitely seltzy season. I'm all about it. Let's uh, let's get into linebackers and then we'll talk about edge because edge is, is you know kind of the the highlight of this class. Um, there there's some really intriguing prospects at linebacker though. Jake, I'll kind of give it to you. How how deep do you want to go? Should we go to top five? top 10. Yeah.
1: Uh, let's go, let's go five with the linebackers. Um, we'll of course do a five with the edge, but we can, uh, we can
0: definitely go beyond five when we get to edge. Um, do you want me to start? Yeah, just go ahead. Any, any way you want to do it. If you want to go five okay. down to one, if you want to go to one to five, if you just want to do one, at one at a time, doesn't really matter. Let's just get the ball rolling.
1: Um, I'll do five and four. I've got Chad MoMA and then Quay Walker at four. Um, Chad Muma at five, a guy that Justin, you've been big on, um, and credit to you because he's a good football player. Um, the one holdup I really have with him is, uh, FBI football instincts and, uh, just overall feel for the game. He can over pursue at times, um, you know, not really the most sound in his run fits and stuff, but, uh, as you've talked about him all year, his strengths are, you know, as a move linebacker and coverage, um, he's rangy. He tested okay at the Combine. Um, not going to lie. I thought that he would have some better numbers from what you see on the tape from him, but he's uh he's all over I the field, man. Um, he's just a good football player. Quay Walker, uh, a guy though, that he didn't start. I don't think until 2020 it was. Um, so he's a four-year player. Uh, he's kind of similar to Channing Tindall, the other uh, Georgia linebacker. And then there's another, there's a third one too. N'Kobe Dean that I'll get to, but uh, Quay Walker is a guy who really kind of showed it all um, ability as a blitzer sideline to sideline a uh, good player and pass coverage can kind of really sink well in zone and knows where he's supposed to be he also has man coverage abilities on tight ends and running backs um, yeah that's my five and four
2: quay walker is like i could see him being a broncos pick for sure like just the, the the tools that he has. I first of all, you just like look at the athleticism and remember, like he doesn't look like he's like six four, two hundred and forty five pounds or whatever when he's out there. But but you have that size speed combination. But then you see him kind of move around a little bit. Like he'll go up on the line of scrimmage. You'll you'll see him play off the ball. Like. There's a uh, there's some like kind of Baron Browning-y similarities there, and you wonder if that's just yeah, like yeah, what the Broncos are looking for from a linebacker. But he's one of the guys who like he's he's on my short list of Broncos picks. He's a uh, he's number four for me. Um, my number five, Troy Anderson. I had to I had to put him up there. I was tempted. I had it down to him and Muma, but we made it to this point. How can I not? Throw him in hey, my top. Stick file. to your guns. Yeah, Exactly. Let's go. Exactly. Like I've got to ride this horse. I started the Troy Anderson hype and I'm going to ride it all the way to the top to the point where he is overvalued. Um with <laughs> Troy Anderson, like best athlete among the linebackers. Like his RAS score is a perfect 10. Um, there's there's some pretty good RAS scores, um, but but he's the only one who hits the perfect 10. I mean, 6'4", 240, 3, uh four two, four, four, two forty. Um, his his Like three cones, shuttle drills, all those are like wide receiver numbers. You look at him, and he's kind of a a strange build for a linebacker. He's a little bit linear, um, more more like long stand-up. He almost is built like a wide receiver sometimes it feels like. Um, I honestly am not sold that he is a linebacker. I I think that there's like a 50-50 chance he's a linebacker and 50% chance you wind up playing him somewhere else. Cause you even like last night when I was going through his stuff for the last time because of this podcast, I was even thinking, like, is he just is he just a running back? Especially like when you just cap things off and go look at a highlight tape and you're like, Well, 80% of the highlights are him just running the football and breaking 80 yarders and pulling away from DBs. And at the same time, like he's he's an inch taller than Derrick Henry, he's a pound lighter than Derrick Henry. He ran the 44240 where Derek Henry ran the four five three. Like, what if you just put some big ass pads on that guy and fed him the rock? And I'm not sure like whether you you put him at running back or put him at tight end or even like consider moving him to safety or like as he outside linebacker, inside linebacker, because there are some sometimes the instincts aren't quite there. Sometimes the physicality taking on blocks just isn't quite there. Um, even even the coverage senses just aren't quite there. But with the tools that he has and the production that he's had, and like he's just a he's a he's a football player. And again, like you don't like the instincts. Well, guess what? He was playing quarterback two seasons ago. How quickly do you think that you're going to learn how to play linebacker really well and take on blocks and beat those guys, especially when you're getting coached by FCS coaches and working in FCS weight program, all that sort of stuff. So he's my number five because of the upside. I think he's going to be a good football player. It might take a year or two. Um, he might wind up like, is he just a safety? Like, I can see him being a deep middle of the field safety, even. Um, yeah, I, I love the prospect though.
1: Yeah, great points. I mean, uh a bit of, a little bit of Miles Jackie uh kind of uh vibes is what I got there, just uh, in terms of you talking about a pure football player as opposed to someone who can play a position. Um, I like that he's a guy I like too. I mean He's going to go. There's going to be other guys. I mean, you got to factor in the three Georgia guys for me, uh, Chad Muma, and then we'll get to the other top two. Um, you know, there's some other guys that I'd like to. Leo Chenal is a guy. Um, you know, he's kind of in that same vein, really. I mean, he's just an athletic freak. I think he posted near a 10 or almost perfect RES score, also. Um, and he's just, he's crazy. He plays with his hair down, hair on fire, coming downhill. He's insane. Moving backwards, not so much. Um, are we, should we go on to number three then?
2: Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. Um, I had a, I had Muma at four, and I had Walker at five as well. I, I wanted to put Anderson at five just because he, he is exciting, but I don't know. I, I really like Hank's take there. I think he might be a safety. Running back would also be intriguing. He's definitely the best athlete on the field when you watch him at the FCS level. It'll, you know, be a little bit different, obviously, going up, but talking to uh, Freddie Banks, who is his defensive coordinator, it's kind of interesting you bring that up because he got asked, you know, how how do you get elite level, you know, linebackers, you know, safeties, corners to come to a place like Colorado State? And he's like, well, obviously you're going to try, but also, you know, you look on both sides of the ball and you just try and find the best athletes. And then you put the best athletes at, on, you know, the defensive side, which is, ultimately what happened with Anderson might, uh, might end up helping out my, uh, my Ramis with, uh, him being in town. Now we shall see, go ahead. Uh, give me your guys' number three.
1: Uh, Christian Harris for me, um, just an all around good football player, Alabama linebacker, um, probably the most true linebacker of this top five. I think, I mean, a lot of these guys have, uh, You know, ability and pass coverage, ability as a blitzer and like off the edge and stuff. But Christian Harris is just a sound linebacker. You can play middle linebacker in the NFL. Um, He's a good tackler, just good instincts, uh, competitive player. Pass coverage, too, is something that stands out with him. I mean, he's a complete linebacker, but he can also, you know, move really well in pass coverage. Um, He's got the strength to kind of just run through blocks and everything. He's just an overall solid player. Um, nothing too flashy, but yeah, just a solid player. that's why he's at number three for me,
2: yeah, he's my number three as well. and again, I, I think you really you like him for the for the coverage ability like that's that's what stands out. and if you draft him, you're thinking like, okay, he's our third down linebacker. And obviously he plays first and second down as well, especially in the three four, but that is like if you're the Broncos, that is why you get him because you're missing that piece. um like you said, like solid tackler, he doesn't. I don't know. It's a, like, I, I didn't feel like he was like hitting guys. Like, I wonder if he's just like a, a full on run stuffer. Like he goes up, hits the gap and, and stops somebody for no gain. Like, is that really his game? But then you also remember like if, if he had been playing it, I don't know, Virginia going up against those ACC teams out there, would he just be hitting the right. hole and popping everybody in the backfield? And, and so maybe you don't hold that against him, but the coverage ability is probably what stands out. Um, the most, in my opinion, and again, solid, well-rounded linebacker. That's, I mean, that's what it takes to be a fringe first round pick. He's not a, like a pop you,
0: you know, uh, you know, sports center hit type guy, but he's, he's a really solid form tackler. And he is a guy where SEC running backs, when, when he wrapped him up, they stopped in their tracks. You know, he, he didn't have any issues where they're kind of like taking him for rides. So I don't think it'll be an issue, but I, I do get what you're saying. I don't know when you watch him, he he just kind of did the dirty work for that Alabama defense. You know what I mean? He wasn't the flashiest guy. He wasn't racking up the stats this past year. He did a little bit more just because he had to kind of take on individually a little bit more with a, a younger defense. But I, I I just like everything about his game. He's a guy where I think if you didn't have two all-world linebackers, the Nickobe Dean and and Devin Lloyd and I assume we're just going to be, have a consensus here with the top three because these guys are, are insane. Um, he, I think he'd probably be, you know, like a top 20, top 25 pick, but there's just some freaks in this class and, and that's what's going to push him down a little bit. But if he somehow falls to Denver at 64, I mean, what, what, what an addition.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's just like, take the Broncos, for example. Like, Josie Jewell's going to be a better run defender. I think Alexander Johnson also is a better run defender. And who knows if he's even in the picture anymore? Probably not. But the with with Christian Harris, it's like, okay, you just have to be good in coverage. Like you're going to be solid, but, yeah. but can can we for 15 snaps a game have you line up against Travis Kelsey and just don't get torched? Like if you give up a catch or something, like it's Travis Kelsey, it's fine. But can you be that sort of guy?
1: Yep. Um, he's a lot of fun. On to two, I've got Nakobe Dean. Um, he really reminds me a lot of like Rokon Smith, Devin Bush, just these kind of uh slightly undersized linebackers that just fly to the football. They're super rangy. Um, he was just an impact player in terms of blitzing and just running sideline to sideline. Um, these Georgia guys are also impressive in multiple ways, but they all tackle so well. Uh, same with Nakobe Dean. I mean. I don't think I saw him miss a single tackle. Um, and he's just he just understands how to play the position, uh, wraps up, doesn't really arm tackle. Um, his blitzes aren't telegraphed. Um, you know, he's able to kind of uh play the game at the offensive line and kind of confuse protections up until the point where all of a sudden he's in the quarterback's face. Um, but it's like I said, the size and
0: it's stuff. like he's just crazy. The sideline to sideline stuff you watch with him is it's absurd and Devin Lloyd too, but mm-hmm. God, sorry. I just, I, I, I get so it. pumped up thinking about something. You you can find some highlights where he'll be lined up, like basically almost looking like he's in the nickel basically on, a, mm-hmm. and he'll come all the way cross field and make a, a tackle behind the line of scrimmage on a running back. And it's just, you shouldn't be able to do that. I don't know. linebackers in 2022 are just, they're, they're, maybe not as big as linebackers were 20 years ago, but the the speed factor has just gotten absurd.
1: Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the only real knock I have on him is just the size and length. I mean, he's only 21 years old, um, so there's potential for him to add some size in the weight room and maybe grow an inch or two. But um, yeah, man, he's he's awesome.
2: Yeah, I do think like having... I think he was in a really good scheme for him. You know, when when you get to play that slot role that that is everywhere in college football, but in the NFL, you don't see it quite so much. Like, that is... Because like, with the coverage ability, with the speed, especially against lower-level athletes, like, you can just kind of dominate from there, especially when you can just blitz off the edge. But I, you you do wonder a little bit, like, on a down-to-down basis, is he just going to get pushed around on the inside if you ask him to play, like, a true inside linebacker spot? um but yeah i mean a freak he gets everywhere he like you said 21 he's probably gonna put on more weight he's like what 225 or something right now but he does kind of fit similar to christian harris kind of that the older school linebacker like 511 six foot um see if you can get him up to like 240 but these guys probably never get that big that is more of like the traditional build and they just kind of like fly around they're kind of boxy in a way um no, no, really good player. He's my number two as well. Um, well we
1: let's talk about the then. then. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's, yep. We're all the same. I mean, um, I, don't, I felt like I got a good experience watching him. So I watched the BYU game and the Stanford game. Okay, um, and then a bunch of highlights. Uh, the BYU game, I it, I think it was good to see because it kind of like brought him back down to earth for me. Um, he really kind of struggled against that zone run scheme of BYU to really fit the run and just identify where the ball was going. He got red a couple of times and uh, I don't want to say embarrassed, but he went the wrong way. Um, but as the game kind of went on, you it, he kind of settled in. Um, he's really, he looks really, really good moving backwards and like sideline to sideline, uh, moving in coverage and then just kind of chasing plays down. And then you add in his ability to blitz uh, kind of just like Nicobe Dean. I mean, he's, he can just, completely wreck a pass protection, uh, completely blow up a run. Um, he's just got a good feel for timing the blitz, for jumping gaps. Um, he's a stud.
2: Definitely. I mean, he can just do anything. Um, and, I mean, then you look in like 6'3", 240, that's that more modern, longer sort of inside linebacker. Or, or I mean, you can play him outside as well, but he – he's kind of what the nfl is looking for at this point like he just has all the tools where nicobe dean is really close but again you just see like the the longer linebackers are kind of the trend at this Mm -hmm. point um but yeah i mean you can you can rush him off the edge you can play him in the middle and it seems like with all these guys my knock is is just kind of like what do you do as just like a true inside linebacker like there's a there's a first down run you've got a coverage responsibility. You're not just flying downhill because you know it's coming. Like, are you actually going to go make a plus play when when the time comes and just like a kind of a 50-50 play call situation? And at this point in the NFL, like that is not the That's not that tough to find. Like, if you can you can find those guys who just kind of, like, sit around... Josie Jewell is an example. Or just, like, yeah, plug him in next to him on first downs and you're going to be just fine. He'll cover that sort of stuff. And then you wind up with Devin Lloyd, who you feel good about throwing on Travis Kelsey for a stretch. You feel good about blitzing. You feel good about acting as a pass rusher and that sort of versatility. I mean, some of his game is kind of Micah Parsons-y, where... I'm not there. There might be just a little bit more of a physical edge with Parsons, and he might be just a little bit more refined. I mean, at this point, he's probably definitely more refined as a pass rusher. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, just the athleticism and the the traits, and then the the production on top of it was good. Uh, it's just easy to see him becoming a, a Pro Bowl type of player.
0: How early do you think he'll go? I think he was 21 to to the Patriots and in Kuyper's mock.
2: I still think that he's just one of those guys who climbs up and it's it's it, it's in like a different way than some of the other hybrids because he's not like Isaiah Simmons and he's not like uh who else has kind of been that way? I don't even know he's more like the Odafe Owe or uh who, who's the Patriots guy from Michigan a couple couple years ago.
1: Uche. Um, yeah, Josh Uche.
2: Yeah, like not quite exactly like Uche, but can kind of play those multiple roles. You can put him in those multiple fronts. And because of that versatility, I think that he he sneaks up and is like a top 15, top 20 type of guy.
1: Um, I like what you said about Michael Parsons. That's that's interesting. Obviously, I mean, Parsons is just an athletic freak, and I don't think Devin Lloyd quite gets there. But yeah. um, played the game very similarly, just in terms of, uh, obviously uber athletic sideline to sideline ability and the ability to kind of play linebacker and edge um, Lloyd's kind of a more true linebacker as opposed to Micah Parsons, where he is just like a guy that you just, you just take off the shackles and just let him work go basically downfield. because he's, yeah, he's a freak just kind of plays um, Rover. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But in terms of where Lloyd could go as high, I mean, he, I think he's a first round talent. Um, yeah, the Patriots at 21 is where uh, Kuyper had him in this mock. I do like him kind of in this back end of the first round area. I mean, there's there's quite a few places that he could go. Uh, you look at Tennessee at 26, um, a team that's kind of let all their linebackers go, and they're now having to fill those voids. Um, shoot, we talk about Micah Parsons. What about 24 for the Cowboys? I mean, Jalen Smith really kind of fell off, and Leighton Vander Esch really hasn't been the player they thought he would be. I mean, let's just pair Lloyd and Parsons, man. That would be a hell of a lot of fun.
2: That would be, and it I mean, especially for defense. that take... just needs an identity, where right. it's like you're yeah. still kind of lacking, like what, what exactly? Okay, so you have Parsons. If you just throw two of those guys out there, that'd be that'd be nasty.
0: I don't think they would overthink it either. That's that's a yeah. that's an organization that tends to just go
2: best player on the board. Yep. That's a good one. How? I mean, what are the odds that the Broncos could find a way to get him? Because like it, it'd be tough for the Broncos to trade any higher than like forty, I think. Just because, like, you then then you're probably using next year's capital on top of this year's. But if you were to throw like a second and a your second third, for example, I bet you could get up to forty. Maybe a little. I higher. guess.
1: I guess that's the question: Is how far would you have to drop before you'd really kind of consider maybe? in the move i mean um i mentioned with talking about a situation like that when we talked about this market you know for trey mcbride maybe like 10 picks before Mm -hmm. i think you gotta have to lower that here for devin lloyd i mean just the talent of the player um 40 is kind of getting there i'd say 45 is really when you got to pull the trigger though um yeah when he's
2: right there if he makes it that far that would be insane though it would be absolutely insane how many of these guys would you be happy with the Broncos taking at sixty four? Hmm. Lloyd Harry any of the top five? Yeah, I I'd would say that, yeah. I didn't have Muma in my top five. I put I put him in there as well.
1: Yeah, any of the top five? Um Chanel, Top five slash I mean, Troy Anderson. Yeah, Troy Anderson would be intriguing too. Chanel is a guy that you know Dre and I have talked about maybe having there, and he's he's just so raw in terms of actually playing the position. I mean, moving forward, everything is real nice for him. And it looks great because he's blowing up plays and just zooms into the backfield with like a tremendous amount of burst, but like actually playing the position he's a bit raw. So, I mean, he'd be fun at 64. Um, It would be a little bit concerning. I think that's about where I draw the line though. Um, Channing Tindall would be fun. I think too. He's again, kind of like a Quay Walker in terms of, Hasn't started until 2020, but he's a Georgia football player. So
2: I don't love Chanel for the Broncos just because like you have, you have Josie Jewell, you know, like he's mm-hmm. one of those guys. And is this the guy you want to pair with him? It's like, I would love somebody right. who just has a little bit more coverage ability. And that's why like a Troy yeah. Anderson at 64. Uh, it's, it's a dream. It's a dream. I'll throw a uh, Brandon, Brandon Smith out there. Um, he's somebody who I talked about during the season a little bit more. Um, when you look at like the athleticism scores, I'm pretty sure out of all the linebackers, his RAS score was third. So Troy Anderson, number one, Brandon Smith, number three. I think there's a lot of similarities between the two. Brand Smith, it's 6'3, 240.
0: Kid, right?
2: Yeah, Penn yep. State. He uh, he's young. He doesn't he does like he doesn't really have the senses, but he has all the tools, like crazy fast, crazy athlete, just one of those Penn State five stars who if it works out, then all of a sudden he could be one of the scariest defenders in the league. He could be like an Isaiah Simmons type of player, um, but he just never figured it out there. Again, senses just like physicality. Isn't always there. The effort doesn't always seem to be there, but when you like have a four three eight forty, like he is just kind of the sort of player. That the Broncos. So I don't think I'd pull the trigger on him at 64, but if the Broncos did. I'd be, I'd be pretty excited.
0: Anybody else you guys want to talk about before we move on to Edge?
1: Uh, let's get on to this Edge class. I'm excited about this.
0: All right. Let's get into it uh, real quick, though. Our man Hank is going to shout out the homies over at Athletic Greens.
2: Athletic Greens is awesome. They're uh, seriously just awesome. Um, I, I take my Athletic Greens every morning. This morning was different because my schedule is a little bit different. I So t- typically, like I wake up, I I drink my Athletic Greens. It's so easy. It's just like this powder. You take it out of the bag. You just dump it in this little shaker and shake it up with some water. And then you drink that. And I usually go to the gym right after that. And so it's like a great way to start. And then if I need coffee after that, I do that. Today, though, it was just coffee and then podcast. And then I'll hit the Athletic Greens and then go to the gym. So a little bit off rhythm today. But it's just so nice to have that as part of your routine. Um, It has 75 different vitamins in it. It has like minerals and superfoods and all those sorts of things. And it's just like a great supplement that packs so much into such a small amount. And it's so easy to get inside you. It tastes good, um, which is wild for something like that. Honestly, like the best part might be that it just makes you drink water. Like it's so good just to wake up and drink like a glass of water. And typically I, I make like two cups of it. And so I wind up drinking like two cups of water with all that good stuff in it right at the start of the day. It seriously is just an awesome product. And uh, you guys should definitely get in on it. Um, Like I said, it has all sorts of different stuff in it, probiotics, adaptogens, and it's all just meant to kind of be an all-in-one supplement that gives you everything that you need. Um, And to make it easy, Athletic Greens will give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash buffs. That's athleticgreens.com slash B-U-F-F-S. And uh, you can take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance.
0: All right, we'll let Hank have that one because wow. he did the read. Um, <laughs> let's talk about Edge. The uh, the bell of the ball with this with this draft class, honestly. I mean, the fact that there's a real possibility that half of the top 10 ends up being Edge- players uh, probably more like four but still I mean the the talent is insane and the other thing that's been really interesting is just kind of seeing the rise and fall like we came in with Thibodeau kind of being like he's gonna be the number one pick no matter what and then obviously we saw Aiden Hutchinson really rise throughout the season other guys like Jermaine Johnson I feel like have have risen in the, in the draft process, as well as Trayvon Walker, you know, who's now in the, the conversation for, for number one overall pick potentially. It, it's kind of crazy. Um, but where are you guys at? Who, who is your number one? Uh, let's just make it simple. Mine's Aiden Hutchinson. Um, I just think he's the most complete of all these guys, but I mean, really, I'd, I'd hear the argument for, for any of the top three. Where are you at Jake?
1: Same place, Aiden Hutchinson, Um, you know, maybe you have concerns about his ceiling in terms of how much better he can get, uh, how much more he can add to his game. But at this point, he's just probably the safest pick in this top five, top of the draft area. Uh, Of course, the excellent production setting records for the Michigan sack record. He's got an insane motor. Um, He kind of plays at like one speed, but it's just a constant, consistent speed able to chase down runs in the backside. Um, he's got great hand use, can diagnose plays and really kind of counter and play the game with tackles across from him. Um,
2: yeah. Yup. I you nailed it. I, question. Like you said, like, does he ever have like a 14, 15 sack season? Um, only one way to find out. And I, I feel like I he's as good a bet as anybody else. Um, the other, I guess the other concern again, like, we all know he's really good. He's a freak. He's 6'6", six, six and long, and bendy, and strong, and does all those things. I do kind of wonder about the versatility, where do you... could Do you like him as a three technique? Like, probably... I mean, he'd be, he'd be fine. He's Aiden Hutchinson. But he kind of does have to play... Probably you want him in that 4-3. You want him in four-man front. You want him playing just like that true defensive end spot. And that's how you really maximize him. Like, the 3-4 outside linebacker thing, like, I just... Seems like that'd be a waste. 3-4, put him at the defensive end. Like, you could kind of scheme it so that he's in that that position where you want him, but he would be a little bit more... He, he wouldn't handcuff you, but it'd just be a much smoother transition for him to go somewhere that plays a 4-3. Um, but that's kind of the, the only other thing that I I look at.
1: Yeah, I mean, of all these guys we watch, watched, I feel like I... Aiden Hutchinson was one of the guys that I saw like playing coverage the least. Um, he was always kind of up on the line. So I agree with that um, in a four, three kind of traditional hand in the dirt edge type of setting. He would be excellent. Um, you know, they did. I think go ahead.
2: They did play him around the line more. Like mm-hmm. they did line him up like all, all, over. I just, I just wonder when you get to the NFL, do you really want him as a three technique or is that just kind of a waste? and since- and because he's not the biggest guy, it's kind of the link that stands out.
1: Right. So, yeah, it's an interesting kind of proposition. I mean, I, could, I think you can make it work, especially, I mean, it's tough in Jacksonville, I guess. But if he ended up on a team that had, you know, maybe another guy on the edge that could, like, run with him. And if you have enough too deep and you can get into, like, a NASCAR type of front where... You know, you just have like four pure pass rushers and he could he could play the three in that situation. But yeah, I don't think that you're really going to slide him down much. Um, like if you go three down linemen or anything,
0: I think you want to keep him on the edge. Do you have an NFL comp for him?
1: <laughs> I mean, the Bosa brothers is something that I don't think he exactly has that top end ability as them, but he's kind of in that same... The
0: mentality though, like the relentless motor is very similar in the always making plays in the backfield and
1: that, and just how developed his hands are at this point too. I mean, that's the kind of, of the yeah. thing uh, with both of them. That was the thing is that they were refined pass rushers entering the league. And, um, you know, Aiden has some of that. He's got the ability to play the game with the tackle and counter and, you know, make the first move win off that, um, I mean, he's a lot of fun to watch in that regard.
2: I think Nick Bosa is probably the comp. Um, again, like the the that's more like the ceiling type deal. But even Joey, right. Joey's a bigger dude. Like like he is somebody who can you do know he can hold his own a little bit deeper inside. But yeah, I, I think Nick Bosa is probably the one, which is great comp. <laughs> the guy's pretty good.
0: Um, give me your uh, give me your two and three.
1: Oh uh, man. You want me to go? I Hank, I feel like you should go here.
2: <laughs> okay. I've got Kayvon Thibodeau at number two. He's uh I mean, he's just a freak. He's just a freak. Um one of the one of the biggest freaks in this draft. Um again, like six foot five, six foot six, freak, whatever. Super freak so long i mean he he is somebody who i think has more of that versatility i still like him as just like a, a straight up like four three defensive end let him just play going forward but i do think he has a little bit more of that versatility three four like you, you give him the two point stance like let him play outside you you'll be just fine doing that and who knows he might be better um i think uh again like the the point that everybody brings up is like, oh, he's a lot like Jadavian Clowney. Is he just Jadavian Clowney? It's like, well, if your floor is Jadavian Clowney, you could do a lot worse. Like, that is one of the best run defenders in the league. You know, the Trayvon Walker gets all the hype because it's like, oh, look what he does as a run defender. Look what Kayvon Thibodeau does as a run defender. Like, he's this, he's a big guy. He can set the edge. He can get past the, the tackles. Again, just that size. It's, uh, just that physical presence, the push that he can get. It's, He, he just has basically all the tools and he's been fairly productive too. I mean, there's a couple of injuries in there, but it that's, that's not going to scare me away. So he's my number two. I did wind up with Trayvon Walker as my number three um, from Georgia again. Like, I mean, he, he's toolsy too. Um, I I do. I think that there, there's a drop-off there in my book though, but I also think there might just be a drop-off between Trayvon Walker and these next guys too. You know, I'm not in love with Jermaine Johnson. Um, Carl Aftis does some good things. Boy, Mafia does some good things, but, um, Trayvon Walker I and mean, similar, like you can kind of move him around a little bit, uh, get him in situations where he gets to set the edge. He's a really good run defender, good in pursuit. Um, uh, we've talked about this a lot, but does he really have like pass rushing moves? Can he get to the quarterback? Um, he has the athleticism to do those sorts of things, but just hasn't really put it together young prospect though. So. Who knows? Um, I don't love him in the top 10 just because there's so much talent there. But I do think that he probably is the the third best pass rusher in this draft.
1: Well said. Uh, I'll start with Kayvon Thibodeau. I actually had him at three. Um, Yeah, I mean, the people trying to poke holes in this guy's game don't really make sense to me just because he is really a stud. Um, He doesn't really give up much ground. He's able to just generate pressure and be disruptive force. Saw a lot of double teams around the year, uh, obviously battle injuries. So the production, um, if you're going to dog on the production, that's why. I mean, just hurt, battled a lot of double teams, teams steamed against him. They ran away from him. Uh, They slid protections to him. Um, He does, he had some good battles. The, The one with Abraham Lucas was one that I always kind of kept in mind. I mean, it was, I don't want to say it was a dominating victory for Thibodeau, but uh, Lucas only had his moments and it was pretty clear that Thibodeau was a better football player. He's got decent hand usage. Um, he can kind of recognize when to match hands with the lineman and really uh, counter off of that. Um, his ability to swim was something that I thought was that kind of stood out to me. He doesn't really have ideal hand usage, but it's just the overall arms. Um, he kind of understands how to use uh, those to his advantage. He's got power. Um, not, I'd like to see it more from him, but he does have it. Um, it's just nice to know that he has that in his bag. He's got the ability to dip around the edge too. He's got the flexibility. Um, and when he slid down to three tech too, I thought he was actually pretty solid also. So he does have a little bit of versatility in there. Um, Justin, if you want to get in on him and then we'll go on to Trayvon Walker.
0: No, I mean, you guys pretty much covered at this point. I, I feel like, it's just kind of prospect fatigue and, and people looking for, for reasons to to nitpick his game because we have been so high on him for, what, three years now? I mean, it's just, I don't know. He's, he's going to be very productive at the next level. Is he going to be, like, the best defensive end in the league? Probably not, but he's got the size. I really like his bend, and I don't know. He, he's just been really productive in a, in a variety of different roles you could maybe say that the the quality of offensive lines that he was facing was not you know bad of you know the S e c, but again, you know, then you're you're just kind of looking for for reasons to to diminish his game. And at this point, I don't think there's there's much reason to. I'm not sure how high he's gonna go. I have him as two. Um, Trayvon Walker is just not a big enough sample size for me. I think obviously his his ceiling is incredibly high. And you look at what he did as a run defender in down the the back half of that second season's insane. But yeah, I just I, I think Thibodeau is going to be solid, and I I think he's he's just a a small step below Hutchinson for me.
2: Um, yeah. The other thing with to, Thibodeau, go
0: ahead.
1: Like
2: I almost think you need to you need to put him somewhere where there's a good defensive line coach or, or somebody he needs a good situation right like cuz when you're trying to get somebody to take that step to being a really good pass rusher and like learn all the moves that's where it's like if if he could have come in with Vaughn or come in with DeMarcus Ware then then he i think could really figure things out and if you're the Texans for example and not knowing anything about who the Texans defensive line coach is I would guess that he probably sucks because it's the Texans. It's like, are you really going to turn this guy into somebody or, I mean, are you going to turn him into another Jadavian Clowney, which isn't the end of the world, but with this pick you would, you'd like pass rush for sure.
1: Yeah. um, Just looking at the kind of top 10. I mean, I guess the ideal place for him really would be six to Carolina. Um, You already have someone like Brian Burns there. They've already invested in that defensive line, Derek Brown and sorts, um, so if he fits in there, I mean, that's kind of the perfect spot for him in terms of, uh, you know, doesn't have to come in and instantly be that impact player that, uh, you know, that just uh, Von Miller type that the guy that you're kind of relying on it, since there's already pieces in place in Carolina.
2: Yeah, I heard you um, say that. And I was like, oh, there's no way it's Carolina. Come on, Carolina. And then you look and it's like, well, it's not the Jags. It's not the Lions. It's not the Texans. It's not the Jets or the Giants, like the Falcons, right. the Seahawks. Now Carolina is the best place to land, which is kind of crazy. Like they're, I mean, of course they all have top 10 picks for a reason, but those mm-hmm. are kind of gross situations. I honestly feel bad for everybody who goes to those teams.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, man. It's, uh, it's interesting to see where you, I mean, with, if, with so much buzz about Carolina taking a quarterback, it really kind of muddies this um, because if they do, if they wanted to add a, a, a cave on Thibodeau, or Trevon Walker is six overall. I think that's honestly probably the best move for their football team, even if they don't have a quarterback uh, on Trayvon Walker though. Um, yeah. Just a, just a freak. I mean, he's six five, two seventy five, with 35 and a half inch arms. Uh, obviously the production is concerning, um, but you know, it's something that I talked about with Jordan Davis. I mean, this is a team that was just so deep, so talented, so many five stars that they didn't have to play Trayvon Walker 40, 50 snaps a game, you know? Um, And then, I mean, you had the guys, Nolan Smith and Adam Anderson earlier in the year that were kind of showing up. So I get it. Uh, I get the concerns. Uh, Andre's kind of comparing him to Dion Jordan of sorts. Um, Kind of reminds me of Rashawn Gary in that same vein of like a guy that you see all the traits, the production isn't necessarily there. Um, but you can kind of project down the line and see what this player can be. He's got, I mean, we talked about it with Thibodeau and Hutchinson and maybe some versatility. I think Trevon Walker's got true lineup versatility to play down the line. Um, At that size, you can stick him at the three to five technique, and it's not a big deal. The main concern I have with him, though, is like the the FBI, the football instincts. Um, It's just not, obviously, it's not really developed. It's not real fleshed out. He hasn't played a lot. Um, so there are times where he gets red and again, runs the wrong way or just doesn't really follow the ball well on the backside. Um, but he's got the, the ability to be a, just a freak. A, just a amazing talent. Uh, doesn't really have the hand usage. I actually have him at four. My number two is going to be Jermaine Johnson. Actually. I love to watch huh. Jermaine Johnson. I absolutely loved watching him. Um, 6'5, 262, 34 inch arms. Um, I really liked his length, his ability to use his hands. Um, maybe I'm just putting too much stock into the NC State game. But, man, he gave Ikam Mekuanu fits. He gave that guy some fits, man. He knocked him on his ass a couple times. Um, you know, it, that was a really good battle between both sides. I mean, there were wins and losses on both of them. But I think Jermaine Johnson really got the edge of him there. Uh, Jermaine Johnson's motor and just how he uses his body just so violently, but also under control. Um that, in conjunction with the length, and just uh I thought he showed decent football instincts, probably better than some of the other guys at the top that we've talked about. um, I loved him. He was a lot of fun,
2: yeah, I mean, I still just have the age concern again, it's just like what what would Kayvon Thibodeau do in two years if he was still right. in Oregon? It's like he mm-hmm. would be a freak, I mean same thing with Aiden Hutchinson, and same thing with Trayvon Walker, and so. Yeah, there there is a lot to like at the same time like it, I don't know. You can also put way too much stock in that because if you say like, well what did he do 2 years ago when he was these guy's age, it's like, well, it didn't work out. Everybody has their own path and if he's a really good football player, he's a really good football player. But I mean, when the margins are this slim, I go with the yeah, the younger guys with the what I think is probably more upside. Two.
1: To that point, though, Hank, I mean, I think we have to factor in that COVID year because there's going to, especially this yeah. year and like probably the next two years, actually, we're going to see a lot of players that I think are a bit older because they're, they're going to take advantage of that COVID year. Mm-hmm. So it's, I mean, it's something that we really didn't think of as much last year as we were going through it all. But I think moving forward, it's going to play a lot more of a factor and you're going to get a lot of these older prospects, I think, because of that.
2: Yeah, I so hear one, you, though. I hear one you. more thing on Trayvon Walker. Like when you say the production isn't there, like the numbers aren't there, like he was on the defense that had the fourth most sacks in the country. The defense that had like the 14 most tackles for loss. It's like there really was a lot of competition. He was a part of a really, really good defense. And if he was somewhere else, it would be really easy to see. I mean, if he, if he was Colorado's starting defensive end last year, yeah, uh, who knows what would have <laughs> happened? <laughs> who knows?
0: He probably would have transferred out this offseason. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Give me your uh, give me your four
2: and five, Hank. Um, so I had uh Carlaftis at number four. I had Jermaine Johnson at number five, but there were a lot of tough conversations. Like Boy Mafe's right there. Part of me thinks like you should just take Ojabo, regardless of the Achilles, just because he's so freaky. Um <sighs> I mean, again, like, this is where I feel like things get really stuffed up, and there's a lot of different directions you could go. I mean, Arnold Ebikidi, uh Cameron Thomas, who we've talked a little bit about, Logan Hall. Um, but, I mean, with Karlaftis, again, probably just like a, a defensive end would probably be my guess. Um, just 4-3 straight up. You want him in that four-man front, lining up on the edge. And, and what you like about it is that he's he's a really good power rusher. He can get to the quarterback. He's big and strong and can and, and can kind of mess with the tackle that way but on top of that he's a good run defender and i think that's kind of what separated him from the others to me was just that it's really easy to to see him as somebody who on on every down you're happy with him on the field first and second down you're like yeah don't want to run that way carl aftis is going to clog everything up he's going to get in the backfield and on third down obviously you can get to the quarterback and just the to me like, big guy, strong, like, good athlete and those sorts of things, but just a really solid football player. Um, and once you get out of, like, the Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, Trayvon Walker, just, like, the the freaky sorts of edges, I I, I think that having somebody like that who, just a big, strong guy who, who's played some football, like, I, you um, saw
1: yeah, he would, uh, if I had to rank past five, he'd be number six for me. Um, yeah, power and strength is just the name of this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, if you're blocking him one-on-one with the tight end, you are just, you need to have your football credentials stripped because it's just not going to work out. It's not going to work out with a lot of these guys, but with Carl Laftis especially, mm-hmm. um, because of that size and power, I like his versatility to slide down the line and get his hand yep. in the dirt. Um, even if he is probably a natural defensive end, uh, especially like the on third tack. downs. Yep. Something I don't worry about at all. Um, I would actually put Arnold Ebiketti at five. Um, just one of those Penn state guys. that's just a freak athletically. He hasn't really put it all together, um, in terms of, you know, pass rush plan, hand use, uh, FBI. But I think it's something that can kind of come with time. I mean, he shows the, uh, he's got a really good ability to shoot gaps and just gain instant penetration. Um, The balance and body control are bordering on average, um, but he doesn't get knocked down on the ground too much. He can get knocked off base, but it's not like he's on the ground too much and giving up ground um, down the line of scrimmage. Um, He had decent production. He should have had more, honestly. There were just some plays where he was there in the backfield uh, around the quarterback, around the running back, and he just doesn't finish the play. Um, So I think that projecting all that, he's a guy that I would be very intrigued by someone that, if by some miracle he made it to 64, the Broncos got to run that card up, but he's a definite trade-up guy for me if he starts getting past 40, 45.
2: Yeah, he doesn't quite have the same length that Odafe Owe had coming out of Penn State, but I do think that he is kind of... I mean, obviously, same defense kind of plays the same role where Mm -hmm. just get forward, go fast. Um, Yeah, and just like you said, talented, crazy athletic... It's I don't know a solid option, but he's just kind of raw. Is he right. old too?
1: Um, I do not know off the
2: top of my head if you want to look he that up be. real quick. I'll tell you that
1: yeah. I did. Okay. Um, I'll tell you that if it weren't for the Achilles, I probably would have Ojabu at five. Um, but for that, I'd probably move him down to seven, put Abicetti and Karlaftis in front of him. But if you have a healthy David Ojabu, um, yeah, he's top five for sure and. Even with the Achilles, man, um, you know, we kind of made that post on the DMVR Broncos account of possibly him being at 64. I don't think he makes it 64, but again, if he starts falling, uh, I think that the Broncos have to make some calls and potentially get him.
2: Honestly, all these injured guys are so tempting to me. Like, like a, a Mechie sitting right there, because again, like, yeah, you have. Sutton and all these other guys under contract, but you only have two more years of Judy under contract, two more years of KJ under contract. Like to have four years of Mechie sitting right there. I I think that that just gives you some flexibility down the line. Who knows? Maybe, maybe you wind up with too many receivers. So you trade one. Like I, I think that receiver is always a good option. And like Mechie is is one of those, but Ojabo definitely just so smooth and fluid. And he's going to be really good. I think, especially like if Chubb pans out, you can kind of pair those two opposite each other. That could be a nice little combination.
1: Right. Well, Ojabo has that kind of Von Miller ability to bend and mm-hmm. really burst off the edge. You know, he's not going to be uh, like, a, like a Thibodeau or a Karlaftis or a Bradley Chubb, if you will, even, where it's more power and just kind of winning uh, that way. Ojabo mm-hmm. is very much a speed and bend rusher. Um, yeah. Not so good in the run department, but uh, otherwise, David
0: Ojabo is a stud. How many of these guys do you think go
2: first round? <clears throat> I'm um, gonna go
1: five.
2: Yeah, Hutchinson, Walker, Thibodeau, Johnson, Carl Laftis. and then I, I'll I'll go six. I'll say one of these other squeezes in. Whether it's Boyamafe, Mafe, who knows Ojabo, despite the Achilles. I it's tough. Mm-hmm. It's tough to see Ojabo going first round with the Achilles. He's probably high second. At the same time, though, like if you lose the the first year of of him on the field, having that fifth-year option would kind of be nice to almost counteract it a little bit. But I'll say six. One of those other guys gets in there.
1: Right. And to that Ojabo point, I mean, he tore his Achilles in March. We just saw Cam Akers tear his Achilles in, what, August? And he came back in six months to play in the Super Bowl. Obviously, very different body types, very different – things that they're asked to do in terms of the bend and just overall strain on the Achilles. Um, But who knows, man, maybe if uh, you're one of those teams in the top uh, or the back end of the first round, you know, 20 to 32, uh, Ojabo's that intriguing where you pick them and you kind of just wait until playoff time. And then all of
2: a sudden you've got uh, a great talent on the edge to go with whatever else you have. That's true. And you don't love that he's missing the off season. Like you, you would love to be able to kind of coach him up a little bit, but Again, like if if he's back in six months would be like mid-September. If he's back in mid-September, you start playing him in games in late October. You give him two months to get his feet really under him and then ride him in the playoffs if things work out. Like it's a good option to have off, off the bench at the very least.
0: And I mean, you're really, even if you sacrifice all of next year. Yeah you're deep enough to where it's okay. I mean, like, you, you don't love taking a... Especially given that you don't have a first-round pick, I don't think you love drafting somebody at 64 that that potentially could miss the entire season. But if he does, it, you could live with it. Uh, anybody else that you guys want to shout out? Uh, Drake Jackson, Nick Benito, any of these these other guys?
2: Yeah, I mean, those those are honestly, like, the, the other two that I could see the Broncos going with at 64 that I'd be really excited about. And There's other good edge rushers, but those are just two. I mean, Drake Jackson, former former five-star, I think, but I mean edge rusher, kind of like your true rusher, never really had crazy production. But again, USC's just been a straight up mess for so long that going after somebody like that. I mean, he he blew up Colorado, and that's just athleticism and the, the quickness and, and being able to just torch guys around the edge. Um, but you know, it just are you are you a football player? Are you are you one of these LA guys that you know? Maybe maybe you have more of these basketball vibes, but for whatever reason, you're just like one of these cute little like pull a spin move off around the edge. Or are you actually going to go fight a tackle and make a, a tackle in the backfield? Um, right. But I mean, if you're if you're looking for pass rushers, I mean that's I mean, at pick sixty four. You're not expecting the perfect player, and if you can find somebody who you expect to give you some some serious pass rushing contributions and maybe you have to clean some other things up and maybe it doesn't happen. Like that's, that's valuable gamble to me at the very least put him on the field on third downs.
1: Um, yeah, a couple of guys, I mean, we talked about Logan Hall and his kind of versatility to play, uh, you know, three, five tech and also edge. He's someone just because of that, I think, um, and the weakness at defensive line for the Broncos, he's someone that I think you have to mention around this area. um, who else do we got here? Uh, Boy Mafe, who we haven't really talked about too much. Um, I didn't like him as much as I thought I would, but he does have some versatility also. Um, he's got, I actually really like his hands, his, his ability to chop and just get around the edge that way it was really nice. Um, but yeah, Drake Jackson's the guy I think I look at, and you kind of nailed it, Hank. I mean, it, the physicality in his game is really lacking, and that does bother me um, to a degree, but also you watch him. And his way to to like dip dip and bend around the edge, uh, ability to play with like burst and agility, um, that's what you really like about his game. And even though he doesn't really have that physicality and you'd like to see him just kind of assert his will more, uh, he had some really great performances. I mean, he really tore up Colorado. Um, He had some splash plays along the way. I mean, he had that strip sack in the end zone against Washington State. Um, It's just not all there yet for him. So, yeah, I'd love to talk. I mean, if I was a decision maker, I'd love to talk to him, kind of figure out exactly if if we're going to be able to develop that, uh, that physicality along, Um, but he's someone at 64. I mean, if the Broncos sign off on it, I'd be very
2: excited. Yeah. Nick Bonito uh, from Oklahoma. Um, Again, this, this feels like uh, it would be in line with some of the Broncos picks. Um, You know, we talk about Baron Browning with the versatility. It's kind of the same thing with Nick Bonito. kind of play him off the ball, you can play him on the ball, whether you want blitzing, whether you want rushing the edge. Um, great athlete, very productive. He was another one who I mean when you have these great athletes who are a little bit undersized, like you kind of expect him to get pushed around a little bit. And and is, is he going to wind up uh putting on another 15 pounds and all of a sudden you say like yeah okay he can set the edge like he he can use a a couple more power moves when he's pass rushing. He can't take on blockers in the middle of the field. Um, I would take that gamble, especially... I mean, he's a little bit younger than some of these other guys, uh, but he's another one at at 64 that would get me really excited. What about um, MyJ Sanders? Um, I got to admit, I wasn't a big fan of his game.
1: Kind of similar to what I said about Drake Jackson. I mean, he... I'd like to see more physicality, um, more strength, just balance and overall stoutness, especially against the run. Um, I'd like to see him have a more fleshed out plan in terms of pass rushing. It doesn't really feel like he has that, um, especially once you get beyond the first move and in the counters, there was really nothing there. Um, he does have a good motor. I mean, that's really how he made a lot of plays, just kind of on second effort and just uh, finding the ball after, you know, the initial play kind of breaks down and stuff. Um a concerning drop in production 2020 to 2021. Um, he was just a conflicting evaluation for me. If if you liked him and, uh, you know, could talk me into him, I'd, I'd kind of be for it, but um, I don't know. I just saw some things that didn't really get me too excited. I'd
0: rather get Drake Jackson, but yes. I, I think yep. if you like Drake Jackson, I think you can talk yourself into J. Sanders. More so probably in the third round than the, the second round, but I don't know. I Both of those guys are just fun athletes. With with Drake Jackson and Jake and uh, Drake London, I was like, do I like them because they're actually freaks? Or like do I like them because they just lit up CU? But I, I think they actually are. <laughs> they're, the, they're the real deal.
2: That is kind of like, I feel like, the best test for these USC players. It's like, okay, you're not being coached. You are not going to be prepared for any game you go into. But when you play CU, do you see all the traits that everybody wants to draft you for? And it's like, yep, yeah, okay, you're so good that it doesn't even matter. We can kind of not give you a pass for being a little bit disappointing when you play Oregon, but it's easy to be like, okay, yeah, this is this, That's this is CU just the game. Though. Like these these people are just animals. What the, I mean that Drake London drive where he caught three balls that averaged probably at least 20 yards. One of them was like the sports top 10, like one-handed back shoulder, like, where he's, like, the arm is full extension out the, like, side of the end zone. He just grabs it and pulls it in. He's like, there's, first of all, there's nobody in the NFL who covers him on that play. That's a that's a completion against anybody. All of these are absolutely completions against Colorado, though. And for him to just steal the show like that was crazy. And then Drake Jackson doing the same thing. I wonder if I can find his stats from that game. Because that was just disgusting. It was, I, I
1: looked it up. I don't remember off the top of my head, but it was at least Two sacks. I think he had a, a force fumble or something too. Yep. It was yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, two sacks, a fumble recovery. Fumble recovery. Yep.
0: Okay. How uh, how deep into your guys' edge class do you need to get where you would rather them go somewhere else, whether it was like tight end or, or linebacker or one of these other position groups that we've talked about? Is edge kind of your your number one position group right now? Or, is, I mean, you can make the argument for right tackle, obviously, depending on if if one of those guys fell. I feel like with the talent, though, and just kind of where they're sitting, it's it's probably going to be where the best player
2: available is going to be. Exactly. That's what stands out. I think, like, just knowing how the board is likely to fall, where the value is likely to be, like, those, those spots are probably corner and edge and wide receiver. And... You know, corner, like, I get it. Especially if there's somebody who falls there, that's great. But you have to remember that you're probably draft- drafting a fourth corner um, at best. And so that means, like, you're drafting somebody who comes in and competes with Michael O.J. Mudia to be that number four corner. And I think that 64 is somewhere where you say that that's probably a toss-up at best, that you're finding somebody who replaces him, or you're or you're drafting somebody who can compete with Kwan Williams. And so... I just don't love the idea of a corner there unless there's like a freak, unless there's somebody you really like, or like you trade up or something, then I could kind of see it a little bit more. Um, but with these edge rushers, I think that it's just so easy to see how they could get playing time. Um, I think that the the standard to get on the field is just a little bit lower with the Broncos right now. And you combine that with the fact that some of these guys are likely to be there. Um, I, th- I think that that is one of the places I go, or even linebacker. I think that the Broncos are kind of at the, there's there's a decent chance that they're kind of at the end of a sweet spot for linebackers where you're actually getting somebody with some traits that you look at and say like okay sure you're not polished but look you just ran a four five forty like we can we can at least work with something and so I think that uh, edge and linebacker are kind of the two that I really circle um, just the combination of value and how odds of you being able to actually get on the field
1: yeah Henry pretty much nailed it um, I'd also go circle back to the start of the show, tight end, Um, you know, you saw Dulcich go at 63 and McBride go at 64 in that Kuiper mock. Um, That's kind of where I think the run on tight ends, it's about that area where it will start, I believe. I mean, there's uh, also Jeremy Ruckert, uh, Jay Ferguson, Isaiah Likely. There's some other guys that are Mm -hmm. kind of in that bottom of the second round getting towards the end of day two range. Um, And that's kind of where that value lies for that class too. I mean, I'll throw a running back too. Um, there's a lot of guys that I like kind of after, you know, the top three of Hall, Walker, Spiller, um, they can come in and serve a role, whether as a pass catcher, maybe as a returner or, uh, you know, someone like Brian Robinson, who can kind of just do everything and just be a nice, solid backup to Javante. Um, uh, so yeah, there's, there's quite a few ways the Broncos can go
2: here. I do think that like, if, if Trey McBride is there at 64, I love it. But there's also like this group of tight ends right behind him where it's like, Likely Dulcich, like there's 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 a bunch of them where it's like I would kind of just like whoever falls to your second third round pick there because I'm not yeah. that picky. If they love somebody, then they love someone. Um, but like the idea of getting like a Nick Benito in with pick 64, somebody who can play the edge, somebody who can play inside, um, potentially solve a couple different problems for you, at least give you more options in there. But then after that, go get like an Isaiah likely with your first third round pick. Go get who knows, maybe one of the big three running backs even falls to your second, third round pick. If not, you pick up like a a James Cook or a Kyron Williams there. I feel like that'd be a pretty responsible way to address the draft.
0: We did it. Putting a bow on kind of everything that we talked about here. Just, you don't have to justify it. Don't go on like too long, but your gut feeling, we're almost to the draft. Who's QB1? I
2: think it's gotta be Malik Willis. I think it's got to be. I think you just look at how fast he is. You look at how big his arm is. And with so many guys who have so many question marks, it's like, who? I I would feel I'm not going to regret betting on Malik Willis out of this class. Like, if you're, if you go and bet on, you know, Kenny Pickett, like, there's a decent chance that you're just like, oh, yeah. Well, you, congrats. You found like the 18th best quarterback in the league. Maybe he should be backup, whatever. Um, Malik Willis just feels like at least he has the traits to justify it.
1: I'm going to go Kenny Pickett. Um, Okay. I think that he's most pro-ready, and I think that in a weak quarterback class uh, like we have here, some team is going to kind of like what you said with Willis. I mean, he doesn't quite have the traits, but I think someone's going to talk themselves into Kenny Pickett because um, while he may only end up being the 16th best quarterback in the league, I think he's the most ready uh, for a team that needs a quarterback this year. And I think that uh, someone's going to get desperate.
0: I find myself coming back around on Sam Howell. I I don't know. I just, I, uh, I was watching North Carolina yeah. again and I was like, Oh man, you watch that deep ball. You watch him off play action. You watch him run around a little bit and you're like, you could work with this. You could, you could do worse. Um, I, I'm going to go Kenny Pickett as well. I like Malik Willis the most. He is the most fun to root for out of this group by far. I'm also rooting for Carson Strong to succeed, but admittedly that's more about like CSU being able to use that on the recruiting trail and be like, look, the air raid translates to the NFL. Go on, succeed. And then my alma mater does well. But I, uh, I like Malik Willis. I like Sam Howell. I think they're a lot of fun and, as, a, as much shade as I threw his way. I, I, do, I do like Desmond Ritter.
2: I just think the potential of him going top 15 is insane. Yeah, it is. I have one more thing I just realized. If the Broncos were to draft Kyron Williams, they already have Quan Williams, you think you could get <laughs> oh, like, no. the full name Kyron Williams on the jersey? It'd probably just be the KY, but he might be able to push for the full name, and that'd be a, such a sick jersey.
1: Potentially. I didn't even think about that. It's a good, uh, I mean, you'd have Javante too. So yeah. you at least get some first initials uh on a lot of these guys. You make them a little bit more unique. It'd be, it'd be pretty
0: dope. That might be worth picking them at 64. <laughs> 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 all right. Well, that's all we have guys. This has been a ton of fun. We'll obviously ramp up our, our coverage of the draft even more as we get closer. We'll have live coverage throughout and, and all that fun stuff. Um, thank you for listening to this one. This was a lot of fun. This edge class is absurdly deep. It's going to be interesting to see if that's where Denver ultimately goes. Selfishly, obviously, I'd love to see Trey McBride land with the Broncos. I know that a lot of people locally would as well. Thank you for listening to the DNVR Draft Podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Much love. Have a great week.